we invite you to this coming week's message of Good Theology, a podcast ministry of the Good Theology Project, a mission of ministry to seek, sow, and spread God's kingdom of love here on earth. We cannot wait for someone else to do later what God has already called us to do here and now. To learn more about the Good Theology Project, visit us online at goodtheology.life. Grace to you, friends of Good Theology. Today, uh, our sermon actually, our message uh, goes into the topic of the passing of the peace. And so the topic that we wanted to talk about before we get into the message in scripture um, was to explain a little bit um, about what the passing of the peace was uh, before it's covered. So uh, in a number of liturgical traditions, and actually it's in a lot of uh, denominations across disciplines, so Catholics, Episcopalians, Lutherans. Um, I'm not as sure if every Baptist church does this or not, um, but so a number of different denominations all have this moment in the service that either happens before, um, like in the middle, after what we call the ministry of the word, or it happens before coming to the altar or before receiving communion. Um, in Methodists, for example, who don't necessarily do communion, or Baptists who don't do it all the time, who don't do communion all the time, there is this moment where it's just uh, the sharing of the peace, right? And so, I don't know what uh, your specific tradition might call it, but we just wanted to kind of name, since today's session is about that and today's message is about that, we wanted to name that for anyone uh, who wondered what it was, right? It's this moment where they're saying, you know, the peace of the Lord be with you, um, and then you kind of go greet each other. You kind of go pass this peace to each other. Um, anyway, so that's what today's message yeah, is about. And so just, we wanted to cover that. So so that every, you know, our listeners, so that you could at least know liturgically, like in the in the space of the worship, where we're, what we're talking about, right? Now, before we get started, let's go ahead and uh, do as we always do and center our, our minds are and our intentions <clears throat> our ears to hear you our eyes to see you our behavior to share you glory be to you god source of all being incarnate word and holy spirit as it was in the beginning is now and ever shall be world without end amen now Today's scripture comes from the Gospel of John, and we're reading from the Common English Bible. It's going to be chapter 20, verses 19 to 23. It was still the first day of the week, that evening, while the disciples were behind closed doors because they were afraid of the Jewish authorities. Jesus came and stood among them. He said, Peace be with you. And he said this, after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. But when the disciples saw the Lord, they were filled with joy. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you don't forgive them, they aren't forgiven. The word of the Lord. So we just heard uh, the first appearance of Jesus to the disciples after his crucifixion, right? So can I, can I just say that, thank goodness, Stephen King did not write the Gospel of John. 
Because I think we can all agree that if Stephen King were the author of John, uh, we would not be getting a Jesus that was there to deliver peace, uh, which is, just to be clear, uh, if you didn't notice him saying it repeatedly, is exactly what he's doing. Um, as we begin to transition back into a world where human interaction becomes more and more frequent, where we begin to gather in spaces like churches and social events, when we begin to see our neighbors again, I find it powerful and divinely inspired that we should encounter a text from the lectionary of Jesus' first greetings to his disciples after his resurrection. Greeting someone after resurrection. This, that is the season that we find ourselves in. It doesn't matter if you've been in isolation for the past year or not. It, whether you've been living alone or with a huge family under one roof, these past 14 months have produced a change in every single person. No one is the same person they were 14 months ago. And though I would be happy to preach about change being part of the Christian experience, that's not my message for today. My message for today is about the first encounter after change. The encounter of peace between people who are not strangers, but are part of the same or shared community. What's funny and ironic about this very topic is that we as Christians have been practicing this greeting after resurrection every Sunday since we started going to church. We call it the passing of the peace. I say the peace of the Lord be with you, and you respond, and also with you. But if I am to be brutally honest, I don't think I've actually ever seen a Christian community an entire one, ever fully embrace the full nature of what Jesus models for us when he visited first his disciples after his resurrection. Verses 19 to 23 in John's gospel is a profound text. There is so much going on in those four simple verses. John tells us that Sunday night, the disciples are meeting in the upper room, the place where Jesus broke bread, where he washed their feet, where he gave thanks. They're meeting there with the door locked. And then Jesus appears, right? And he says, peace be with you. And this is the mistake that we usually make as well. The same mistake that the disciples make, which is they think he means Hey, what's up? Because in that culture, to say peace, shalom, was a greeting. And I think, okay, like, I love when Jesus shows his sense of humor, right? Because he is saying, like, what's up? <laughs> but, like, he is greeting them. But after he gets their attention, he says it again. Peace be with you. And then scripture says he breathed on them. Breathed on them from verse 22. 
is a direct reference to Genesis when God breathed on the waters of chaos and created the heaven and the earth. When he said, peace be with you, what Jesus was saying, what he was communicating to them, was that by the authority vested in him, he was declaring peace. I mean, think about it. Why would they have been gathered there together, right? They just heard that he'd potentially risen from the dead, and we know, <laughs> we know how much the disciples like to argue and bicker amongst each other, right? I would put dollars to donuts that they were arguing. He's back. Oh, no, he's not. Oh, yes, he is. If he is, where is he? Like, that, I mean, that was in their nature. We know that about them. Could you come, could you imagine coming home from a long day at work or a long day at school? You're tired and hungry and you're just like glad to be home amongst the people you love and you walk in and all of your friends or all of your family are just like squabbling and yelling at each other? Jesus must have been, like he must have stood there and been thinking, I'm not gone three days and these fools can't keep it together. He must have been like furious. And what does he do? He doesn't react the way we would react. He blesses them. He encourages them. He gives them authority. You will never hear me say that the Christian life is an easy life. You will never hear me say that you will receive all the abundances you deserve because that's not our mission. Anyone who tells you that being a Christian is good for personal gain doesn't understand what God's mission is here in the world. Over everything else, the Christian mission is that of interruption. Paul, Peter, and John interrupt other Christian communities through their letters to remind them of true morals, ethics, and attitudes. Jesus incarnate interrupted first century, first century society to show a world of violence and materialism about what a truly good life is supposed to look like. If you really think about it, all our great heroes provide interruptions. Dumbledore interrupted the status quo constantly. He barged right into Harry's underage magic court hearing. Luke Skywalker was an interruption to the plans of the Darth Vader and of the Emperor. Martin Luther and Martin Luther King Jr. both meant to interrupt what was going on to change the world for the better. And actually, I mean, if you, like if you think about it, even the Declaration of Independence was by its very existence an interruption to the ideals of monarchy and imperial rule. Interrupting can sometimes be the only way to stop the record of harm from being played over and over and over again. But let me take a step back and ask you this. Why do we put the peace and the passing of the peace, this greeting in our worship services, why do we put it in the middle of the surface? If it's truly meant as a greeting, why wouldn't it be the opening line to the ritual? 
It's because it's not meant as a greeting. Well, not as the way we understand it. It's meant as an interruption of the service. It interrupts the flow after we hear scripture, but before we approach the altar. That no matter what anyone says here in this pulpit, that no matter what, before any of us approaches God at God's table to receive his sacrifice and his gift, his peace interrupts us to make sure that we remember what he reminded his disciples of that day in the upper room. When Jesus stood there in that locked room with all those bickering disciples, when he came back to them after all that had happened with the Romans, I am 100% sure he was reminding them the same thing that Paul tells us in Philippians 4, 7. It is perhaps one of my most favorite verses in all of scripture. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The passing of the peace, the peace we show and give to each other, it is an interruption of culture to be an exchanging of God's unconditional affirmation and healing. Before we dare to come before God to receive, God interrupts us. I don't know if you know this, but if a clergy person, if a pastor knows that someone is like living a notoriously evil or if someone is scandalous with their neighbor, if there's hatred between people, pastors are actually supposed to speak to them privately and beg them for reconciliation, for peace. They are to interrupt their worship to say, this is holy. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that all kinds of interruptions are good. Remember when Professor Umbridge would interrupt Professor McGonagall? That was a bad kind of interruption. Well, actually, any Dolores Umbridge interruption was a bad kind of interruption, but because hers were selfish. She was always trying to put herself in the middle of things. She wanted to control things. Jesus, meanwhile, does something totally different. He interrupts the selfishness and small-mindedness. He interrupts bickering and infighting. He stops the current scripts of doubt and fear. And he says, may the peace of God be with you. He says that instead. He reminds his people that they are agents of God's holy cause all on their own. That they and all of us are on a mission that cannot be given up or backed away from just because we have doubts. At its most basic, how could any of us back down from Jesus's request now? He's already gone and died for us, right? He's done the hard part. We owe it to him to play our parts too. And let's be real clear that even though our part is pretty hard, it's not without its own reward. I know we all miss being in person. And I'm sure that that has left us with these like rose-colored glasses on. 
We remember only the best parts of church and sometimes forget all the annoying stuff. But sometimes those memories will come back and they will come back. Sure enough, it will be, I will be the first to admit that church is not perfect. Nothing made up of a bunch of humans is ever going to be perfect. But imagine, as we begin to regather, now imagine what the church would be like, what all of our homes and workplaces would be like if we interrupted negativity, fear, resentment, hostility, if we spoke the name of Jesus and his peace into all of it. And I don't mean interrupting it with selfishness. I mean passing the peace of God, passing of affirmation, of love, and of kindness. Of all these things we could and should be fostering here within the community of Christ's scripture. I think the fact that Jesus came back with his wounds and scars was truly telling. Not because it proved it was the same guy who died on the cross, but because as a metaphor, it says nothing erases the scars of the past. But it is up to us on how we interrupt the present with Christ himself, which is the true testament to this Jesus movement of which we feel so called to take part. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Good Theology. To learn more, please find us online at goodtheology.life.